Welcome to Subject to Change. I'm Stephen Lentz, business coach and digital marketer. We interview other owners and entrepreneurs about their stories and businesses. Welcome back to Subject to Change. I'm Stephen Lentz, and today I'm talking with Dr. William Attaway, the owner of Catalytic Leadership. How you doing, William? Great, Stephen. It's so great to be with you today. No, pleasure's all mine. So what is Catalytic Leadership? It's a coaching company that I started a number of years ago to coach leaders, to invest in them and try to help them to develop their own leadership in a way that's going to take their business to the next level. What I've discovered is that business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs often get to a point where what they have been doing to get their business to a certain point stops working. And they're not sure why they feel like they've hit a lid and they're not sure how to get to that next level. That's where somebody from the outside can give them a perspective that they simply can't see. And that's what I do. Interesting. So Cadillac leadership isn't just about like the CEO level. It's anyone who is in charge of anyone, essentially. Yes, exactly right. What's kind of the, the framework for it? Is there kind of a, a ethos that you look through at leadership as far as like a value system or kind of what's, what's kind of behind it? It's a great question. When I was uh, when I went to college, I went uh, as a pharmacy major, and the idea <laughs> was uh, that I would I would do that for the rest of my life. I got to organic chemistry and discovered pretty quickly that uh, yeah, not so much. <laughs> That's the point at which a lot of people wash out. But in my very brief chemistry studies, I discovered the power of a catalyst. And it's something that you add to a mixture or a solution that's going to incite significant change. And I think about leadership as what leaders do is they incite significant change. That's what excites a leader, right? When you're able to lead change in a way that's going to take the organization forward, that's going to accomplish the mission in a way that hasn't been done before or in a fresh new direction. Uh, Leaders get excited about that. That's catalytic leadership. That's when you become a catalytic leader. That's when you're, you're leading an organization to accomplish something new. Is there a general framework that when you meet with these small business centers and medium or CEO levels, like anyone, I guess, is there usually kind of a spot that the majority of them fall into? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, the book that I just published earlier this year, what I tried to do in the book is capture from the last 20 plus years of coaching from mm-hmm. C-suite leaders to solopreneurs, capture the 12 things that, that seem to come up really with great regularity as I'm coaching these leaders. These 12 themes or these 12 principles are the things that that the leaders come back to time and time again. Um, And so what I've tried to do is capture those in such a way that they're going to be helpful to leaders. Uh, For instance, one of those is, is choosing to be an intentional learner right, to have a teachable spirit. Mm-hmm. Often leaders get to a point where they feel like they've, they, they know what they need to know and they stop learning. Yep. But when you stop learning, you stop leading. And so one of the things that I challenge a catalytic leader to do is to maintain and in fact, to cultivate a teachable spirit in all aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. Does it go also into kind of like the principles of like leadership mindset, kind of like buddy to boss, like that book or like how, yeah. how are you different from those other like leadership books like that as well? Yeah, I think the, the greatest challenge for any leader is, is trying to balance so many of the different principles that we hear. You know, I read a lot. I read a lot of leadership books. And one of the things that, that I learned is that if you try to implement every principle or even just take a smattering of this and a smattering of that, what you find is that there's not enough hours in the day. <laughs> 
yes. our lives are, are integrated. We are integrated creations. Mm-hmm. And as much as we like to think we can create a little wall between the different parts of our lives, where it's not going to affect one thing is not going to affect something else. The fact of the matter is what happens at work affects what happens at home and vice versa. What happens in our neighborhood affects what happens at work. Everything touches everything else. And that's where I start when I'm coaching a new client. I start there and I start developing, say, hey, what is it that we can do to identify where you are in these different aspects of your life? Gotcha. Um, what kind of dog do you have? I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just like... <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's okay. <laughs> She's trapped in here at the moment. Uh, she's a dachshund and she's annoying at times. That's all right. That's all right. I was just she like, I know no one can hear it, but there's like little whines and I was like, this is really funny to me. I'm a little distracted. Give me just a okay. second. I can open the door and let her out. Oh, either, either way. <laughs> just a second. Uh, and the good doctor is stepways on his way back. Here we go. Welcome back, sir. She was asleep when uh, she was asleep when we started, and I thought, "Oh, she'll be fine." <laughs> Not so much. That's ah, all right. That's totally fine. So I am curious. So you went into pharmaceuticals, right? And then you got to briefly, briefly, sure, briefly. The chemistry, like, ah, dear lord. So what was? I mean, what's the transition there? Right? How do you go from studying physiology and chemistry and biology and stuff to the human nature of leadership? You know, I started, I started from there and I went into business and I worked in a number of different roles in different businesses, ultimately landing at Bell South. I worked in their wireless division back in the nineties and started to lead and manage and deal with people. And from that point, it was leadership in a very different role for me. Uh, I was trying to learn how to do what it was that they were asking me to do, but I didn't have a whole lot of training. And so, of course, I make a lot of mistakes along that journey. Um, I get to a point where, hey, everything changes in my life and I move into vocational ministry, right? And so for the last 25 years, I've worked in the local church as a pastor. Well, that involves leading in a whole different way because all of a sudden you can't lead people based on a paycheck. Right. Most of the people that you're leading are there voluntarily. These are volunteers. <laughs> and so you can't say, hey, if you don't do this, you're out. They'll walk out anytime they want to. So leadership then becomes not about what leverage you have over people. People uh, leadership is something different. And that's where I think the principles of catalytic leadership were born through both of those experiences, leading both in the business world and in the nonprofit sector in the local church, understanding human nature from multiple perspectives. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a mixture of, if you would say, kind of like self-development, growth, and servant leadership. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All leadership, true leadership is servant leadership, Mm -hmm. because you're looking at people and you're asking not, you know, how would I want to be led, but you're looking at them and asking, how do they want to be led, right? How can I lead them in such a way to help them achieve the best they're capable of? That's what great leaders do. That's what catalytic leaders do. Yeah. And for everyone who listens and hears servant leadership and doesn't know, it doesn't mean you're making people your servants. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ser- servant leadership is... That's a different you're doing, problem. You're doing the- <laughs> <laughs> I just see someone be like, servant leadership, this is a great idea. That's no, right. No. <laughs> How many can I have? <laughs> One is too many. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. No, I've, I mean, 
it's weird. You know, I see, I've seen it a lot. I've had a lot of different jobs through my lifetime. I know I look like I'm 12 and 35, but I've had 20 plus jobs, right? And it's various different places. I mean, some are like a hot minute, like I did door-to-door sales for vacuums for like 17 hours. And I was like, nope. (laughs) But you find these people that are just like, they get a little bit of power and it's just, or need to do this and do that. And from the times when, you know, like when I was put in charge as an acting captain, my captain was gone and next guy up to lead the shift was there. And at times it'd be me. Like, you know, my idea was that I, I was a better person when I was in charge than when I was just a senior firefighter. Mm. Mm. Right. Because I expected more of myself to do better for the guys than I did as you know, just a cog in the wheel, if you will, being like, yeah, I'm going to do my job and like, you know, appease my boss. Right? And so for me, like, I would not ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Right. So I would start the task before, mm. you know, wrangling and doing stuff. So it's definitely interesting because you, you get the full gambit of the interaction there. And I like the teaching. I like the leading. And I think that I have a lot of room to grow, but servant leadership is a very different mentality that I think you either learn about it or you just have to somehow stumble into it with your own like the values and ideals. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And to be in a leadership role, like you're describing and for that to bring out the best in you, honestly, Stephen, that speaks so highly to your character because that's not often the case. It's under pressure that really our character begins to leak through unintentionally. And mm-hmm. when you're put in a leadership role, you're put under a microscope, you're put under some pressure. And what leaks out is what's really inside. Sure. And, and that's true for all leaders, right? And if you're under a lot of pressure, what's leaking out? And, and a really important key is what's leaking out at home with those closest to you who know you best. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it can be hard too. the, like what you said before the like home stuff influences your work and work influences your home. And it can be hard. How do you help leaders manage that? The leakage, if you will. Yeah, I think it's important to identify it. I think mm-hmm. that's where you start. You have to identify kind of where you are. And, and that's what we do. We, we identify that from the beginning. And then we talk about what, what does a growth plan look like? What does an intentional growth plan look like in these different areas? How can we integrate the different parts of our lives? That's not saying you're bringing your, your home stuff to work or your work stuff home. But it's understanding that as an integrated being, Every one of those is going to impact you and you're bringing yourself to all of those different areas. So, you know, when it comes to what happens at home, I think it's important if you have a, a, a spouse, you have kids, you need to understand that these are priorities in your life. Sure. Right? These are, these are priorities. You've, you've said this, you've committed to this. Uh, yeah. One of the chapters in the book is, is determined to be family focused. You're choosing that. Um, now, does that mean that, you know, hey, I'm going to choose my family over my work? We'll be living out of my car in no time. <laughs> like, okay, I think you have to be careful there because the tendency is when you hear something like that to run to the edge, right? To run to the extreme. Mm-hmm. You have to have to have to balance, right? Have to have moderation, but understand your priorities determine so many of your choices, determine so many of the actions that you're going to take, the words you're going to speak. You decide that. You determine that. You do not have to be a victim of your circumstances. You get yeah. to choose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I mean, that's that's another big topic, right? The whole victimization. Yes. And I think, oh, there's so much that goes into that. 
just from like an abundance mindset to like responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, that's, I mean, I'll, I'll have you back another time. I think we can talk about victims all day long. Cause that, I, that's a rabbit hole that, yeah. I mean, I saw that all the time, right. As a firefighter, because my job would go to be to go to other people's houses and solve their problems for them. Yes. A lot of people's like, you're fine. Like you have a cold, like right. back in bed, drink some water. You're okay. Like stop blaming people and just take a little bit of initiative for yourself. And it's, yes. yeah, the, the victim mentality is real deal. How do you help people get through that? How do you get them past seeing themselves as a victim? I think it starts with asking the right questions. What I do is I come alongside and I'm going to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, that I ask in the very beginning is if you have a teachable spirit, then we're going to work well together. If you don't, we're not. And, and that's why I don't take every client who wants to work with me. If you don't have, <laughs> if you're not coachable, if you're not teachable, this isn't going to work. Right. Part of that is I'm going to ask you questions that no one, it could be no one's ever asked you. And I'm going to expect a level of honesty that maybe you've never given. Sure. It's the there. Stuff, yeah. It's there that you can move beyond those limiting beliefs, that mindset that is holding you back. And and so often, I'd say 90 plus percent of the time, it's the mindset that is holding a leader back from achieving what it is they know they're capable of. It's it's this one square foot of real estate right here. Hmm. This is what's holding them back. And by asking the right questions and confronting the actual truth, not not what they think is true, Hmm. but confronting it through questions, often, very, very often, I see leaders who are able to step beyond that. Interesting. So when you work with someone, is it just you or do you have a team of people that work with you? How does, how do you operate with catalytic leadership? It is just me. Just you. It is and just is, me. Is it all, is it in person or via Zoom? Uh, most of the time it's via Zoom. Via Zoom. Um, yeah, I've done some in person and, mm-hmm. and that's possible if it's a, a local thing, but typically it's via Zoom. I meet with clients twice a month. Uh, so it's about every other week. And that gives enough time for us to do some processing separately, Mm -hmm. come together, evaluate, ask the questions and spend an hour together. And usually at the end of that hour, there's going to be some things, okay, this is some things we need to take some next steps on. This is what I'm going to ask you to do before we get back together. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's the homework, if you will. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Because, you know, two hours a month, uh, you know, that's not going to affect change. However, if you follow the process, and, and you, you take advantage of the evaluation aspects of what we do. And evaluation is something I talk about a lot mm-hmm. because I, I think that, that often we think experience is what makes us better. Mm-hmm. The fact is experience doesn't make you any better. Evaluated experience makes you better. <laughs> and so we evaluate everything, right? As we're going through that evaluation process, if you begin to apply what you're learning through evaluation, that's where change happens. But you have to understand change is a, is a, is a, a transformation is a process. It's not an event, sure. right? You have to under, if, once you, once you grab onto that and you understand mm-hmm. this is going to take some time, that's when the magic happens. I like that. So evaluated experience, mm-hmm. is that like, you know, I'm looking back in my life and being like, Hey, I've had these things. Like, can I turn my experience into a value experience or is it kind of something that has to be decently fresh? No, no. I think you can learn from, from old experience, but you have to process it. You have to ask the right questions of it. You know, some of the things that, that one of the things I'll, t- I'll talk to a leaders about with, with great regularity is, is a weekly review. Right. And I take this loosely from David Allen's work, getting things done. Right. And in his weekly review, this is when you look backward, you evaluate the previous week and you look forward what's coming up the next week or two or month or so on. 
I, I include in this questions that you ask. And the questions that you ask will, will determine the answers that you get, which seems pretty self-explanatory, but <laughs> you'd be surprised. <laughs> and, and so the questions that I'll, I'll, I'll actually feed them prompts to use in their, in their review time, in their evaluation time. And I want you to take these, and this is a sheet of paper, I want you to take this and I want you to think through each of these questions every week. And what I find is that these are questions that, that perhaps they've never thought of before. What did you learn this week about yourself? What did you learn this week about the team that you lead? What did you learn this week about the company that you work for? What did you learn this week about the community or the world in which you live? And you spend some time with this. And if you do morning pages or you do journaling, these are some great prompts for that. Okay. But it's in reflecting, it's in evaluating and processing and, and actually coming through with some answers to those questions. That's where learning happens, right? It's not in somebody talking at you, right? right? Yeah. It's in processing your experiences. Interesting. I mean, I had, I had a good question as you're talking through there and I was like, no, I need to listen because this is gold. <laughs> I lost it. That's good. Uh, how, do you, how do you deal with uh, like management styles, if you will? Because I, I feel like that's kind of a different shift, right? From that mindset of like self-evaluation learning, but the people who, I mean, you go on Reddit, right? Mm -hmm. And you can learn, you read about the stuff like the micromanager or sure. the bossy boss. Like, do you work with changing those paradigms of how they manage the actual management or just kind of their relationship? Yes, short answer, yes, I do. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> it starts with understanding who you are and how you're wired. One of the chapters in the book is discovering your wiring. And part of this has to do, you know, most people are familiar with the Myers-Briggs, right? This will determine your introversion, your extroversion tendencies, et cetera, et cetera. There are a number of tools like that. I've used the, the Maxwell Disk for a number of years, right, to help with personality types. Sure. Um, Patrick Lencioni has a new tool, The Working Genius, that I'm a big fan of these days. All of these are ways to understand your own personal wiring, but that's a beginning point. There are also ways to understand those you lead. For example, anybody who comes on the team that I lead has to take a disc and has to take a working genius profile, right? And that will tell me how they are wired, right? And we will have conversations based on that. When I'm prepping for my one-on-one -on -one sessions with them or I'm prepping for a team meeting, I'm going to keep that in mind and I keep those profiles in front of me. I know those results. So I can say, okay, this person, for example, to use Lencioni's stuff, you know, this person is, is wonder. Their genius is wonder. Their work in genius is an area of wonder. So they're going to be asking the questions. They're going to be seeing what nobody else is seeing. I need to give them some leash to do that, right? I don't need to just start howling everything they say to death because I'll kill whatever great ideas they're going to come up with, right? This person over here, well, they're all about galvanizing other people. So like when it comes time to implement this and begin to say, how do we then execute this throughout the organization? This person's going to be key, right? Well, this person's about enablement, right? So, so they're going to be about how do we execute this in such a way that we enable other people to carry this forward? Each one of these areas of genius matter, right? But you have to know them. You have to discover your own wiring as a leader first, then discover the wiring of the people that you lead, and then take that information don't let it just sit in a drawer, but use that to transform how you lead. That's going to affect how you lead. If your tendency is to, is to stay, I'm going to micromanage, I'm going to be on top of every little detail. 
when you start understanding the wiring of the people on your team and you understand your own personal wiring, that becomes far less of a temptation because you've had the right conversations. You've asked the right questions. Too sure. often, micromanagement is a lack of trust, right? It's a lack of confidence. How do you overcome that? You get to know yourself and you get to know the people that you lead in a different way. Interesting. Do you host like virtual retreats or anything for leaders and their members to help them with their relationship as a leader? Or is it you strictly only work with the leadership and management? I typically only do one-on-one -on -one executive and leadership coaching. Um, mm -hmm. I have done some small group settings mm -hmm. of training for teams, uh, but my preference is the one-on-one -on -one because I think it, my philosophy is when I can impact a leader and help a leader get better, that is then going to impact everyone that they lead, and it's going to impact the mission that they're trying to achieve with their organization or their business. Yeah, that's, that's the power of a leader. Right? Sure. That's the kind Absolutely. of impact that you're going to have. So I tend to focus in that area. Okay. What about like, what's the, do you only do like the top tier leadership of any organization or do you ever work with like managers or supervisors within sure. businesses as well? Anybody who has a leadership role. Uh, and in fact, I work even with those who don't yet, but aspire to uh, I, people who are aspiring leaders or emerging leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if you can start getting some of the building blocks right at that point, get your foundation set right. And that's just going to, that's just going to increase how high that rocket's going to fly. Gotcha. So backtracking, because I'm a curious soul and I feel like I yeah, <laughs> <please. about> <laughs> so the, the transition went from school to leadership. What did that look like? So you went like, was there a career path of like in that job you worked at uh, South Bell or Bell South? Bell South. Yeah. Yeah. Bell South. I like to mix things around. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's very fun for me. I'll mash words together. Um, so you worked at Bell South. And then what happened after that? After that, uh, that's when, when I was working at Bell South, I had been there for several years mm -hmm. and uh, through a, a friend of mine who began to have some very interesting and deep conversations with me uh, spiritually and, and began to challenge me in my faith and say, hey, you know a lot of information, but I don't see any transformation. It was a great, great, honest conversation, really. One of the first people in my life to ever have that gut level, honest conversation and really challenged me to get serious in that area of my life. Your faith is a part of your life, just like every other piece of the pie that makes you up. And he challenged me in that area. And when he did, that challenged my relationship with God in a way that that became a priority in my life. And when it did, all of a sudden, my focus shifted and I began to want to help people in a different way. What I've been doing coaching leaders now for over 30 years mm -hmm. is helping leaders get better, right? but I have to understand who they are first. They have to understand who they are first. My goal is for them to grow intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. Not accident. Nobody, nobody wakes up one day and says, well, hey, I'm a fully mature leader. I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> it takes intentional growth. That's what it took for me, right? Sure. I attended my first leadership conference when I was 15 years old. I knew a lot about leadership. I've been a student of leadership since then but actually leading, right? First in, in the business world, then in a corporate sphere, and then in, in nonprofit and church ministry, right? These are very different arenas. And what that has taught me as I've moved through these different parts of my life is that there is no such thing as a wasted experience. Every one of those has taught me so much about who I am and who other people are. And that enables me to come alongside and help them to get better. 
right? I love that. Oh, wow. So I, I see the doctor in front of me. I want to keep calling you doctor, even though they call me Will. So <laughs> <laughs> is the doctor is a seminary doctor or is a another type of, where, where, where'd you get your doctorate? Yeah, uh, my doctorate is from Trinity Southwest University. It's okay. in Old Testament. Uh, with an emphasis in archaeology and biblical backgrounds. That's my wow. area of expertise. So, Very cool. I love that. Just again, just, satisfy, just satisfying my curiosity. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> There's so um, many parallels in archaeology and leadership studies. As you uncover farther and farther, you drain the bathtub of the dirt, so to speak, and you uncover what is already there, but you couldn't see. That is so much, so akin to what I do with coaching. And you have to wear soft gloves and be really gentle with them. Very, very gentle. <laughs> Though at times you need sharp objects to really kind of pry it out. <laughs> I love that. So if you were to say something to the business leaders and owners that are listening, what would you say to them as far as kind of your altar call to better leadership, if you will? Like if you feel stuck or stressed or not knowing how to manage, what, what would you say to them to kind of help them think about this might be something that would be beneficial to learn? I, think I, would, I would say that the temptation for any leader is to think you can do it all yourself because you've built what you've built thus far. And you feel oh. like, or might think, hey, I can, get, I can get past this. I can break through this myself. I just have to work harder, work longer, uh, maybe you know, ignore my family a little bit longer, uh, but I can break through this. And the fact of the matter is that I think we are created to live in community. We need yeah. one another. Mm -hmm. And so there is no shame. There is no weakness in saying, I need somebody to help me see what I can't see right now. It is almost impossible to see the whole picture when you're in the frame. What I do is I come alongside and I ask questions to help you see what you can't see so that you can get past it, overcome it and move back on the path of achieving what it is that you were put on this earth to do. I love that, yeah. No, I think you're spot on. And I think, I mean, I, I say this a lot, but I'll say it because I like it. Um, I feel like, I'm sorry, let's bring it there. I feel like a lot of business owners are business owners by default, not by mm. design. Mm, that's good. Right, like you're really good at being a plumber. So yeah. you started your plumbing business. It's not that... You know, you were great at marketing and great at leading and all these other things. It just came with you, right? And so That's good. I think that that applies to leadership as well. Yes. Very handily. Absolutely. But, and if you're not intentional with it, mm -hmm. if, you don't, if you don't have an intentional growth plan laid out either by you or for you that you're going to execute, what you're going to find is that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're going to be calling the same plays. And they may not be working anymore, but they're the only plays you know because you stopped learning. Mm -hmm. That's great. And William, where would someone find you? Where do they go to, to find your, your book and you? So you can go to catalyticleadership.net. That's my website. Uh, you can get the book at amazon.com. It's available in uh, paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. Uh, and I'd love to make uh, something available to your listeners. Uh, if you go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, uh, I'd love to make a copy of the book available for free uh, to your listeners. Uh, you got to help me with the price of the shipping to get it to you, but I'll give you the book for free. That's awesome. That's, that's great. And before we end, is there anything that you wanted to revisit or wish I'd asked you before we uh, end this? Yeah, I think the only thing I would say is, is that catalytic leadership might seem optional, 
But honestly, I think every leader has deep in their heart the desire to be catalytic, to make a difference, right? To advance their mission, their purpose, what it is their business is trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to help you do. That's why I do what I do. I think you're spot on. And just, just to piggyback on that, I feel like even when you're comfortable, I feel like there's always that little, little nagging part of you that says, I want to be a little bit better. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. All right. Well, William, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate having you. And thank you all for listening. Stephen, it's been an honor. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Subject Change. Please like, subscribe, leave a review of our podcast. And if you have any questions, if there's a business you would like to see featured on our podcast or a niche or something you want to learn about, drop us a message or an email and let us know. Be happy to, to interview someone and answer those questions. Thanks again for listening.